I fear that too often we podcasters are shouting into an echo Echo chamber, meaning we're talking only to those who already know about us. In this episode of Podcastification, I want to talk about one of the most powerful ways you can get new listeners to be exposed to your podcast. My name is Kerry Green, and I am the Client Happiness Guy at PodcastFastTrack.com, and this is Podcastification. Podcastification is all about you, teaching you how to podcast, how to put into practice the best practices that I and my team have learned in working with hundreds of clients. You are going to podcast better from listening to this show. If you like what you hear on Podcastification, please just hit the pause button, swipe to the sharing function on your app, and share this episode with somebody you know will benefit. And if you'd like to get in on more podcastification goodness, you can do it by subscribing to our podcast optimizer email series. And I promise you, you won't get lots of junk. You'll just get one actionable email a week. Go to podcastfasttrack.com slash optimizer. That is enough of that kind of stuff. Let's get you podcastificated right away. You know, the longer I do this podcasting thing, the more I recognize that there are some very difficult and very time-consuming things that need to be done in order to establish and grow a podcast over the long haul. And those who are committed to seeing their podcast grow the right way, the way that will last, are the ones who are going to learn and implement those kinds of practices. How's that for an appealing lead-in to a topic I'm going to discuss on the episode today? Now, before I get into my topic, I want to say that I understand the struggle that we all have to make the most of our time. A hobby or part-time podcasters especially have to make some difficult choices about what we're going to invest our time in. And the subject matter for this episode is something I believe all of us need to know and learn how to apply well. But we're all going to have to decide if it's the most important fish for us to fry right now. You see, because what I want to talk about is the hard work that goes into making your podcast stand out on a broader scale than just iTunes or Stitcher or Google Podcasts. I mean, sure, people can find your shows there, but think about yourself. When you want to find a new resource, what do you typically do? Most of us go to Google or Bing and we do a web search not a podcast search. Now, I understand sometimes it depends on what exactly you're looking for. I mean, me, for example, if I'm looking for a DIY resource of some sort, you know, wanting to figure out how to do something, I usually go to YouTube. That's just where I find the most results in the quickest amount of time. You know, that's just my habits. What are your habits? I think most of us are going to Google. And so that means our podcasts need to be found on Google. And the only way that's going to happen is if we have some sort of supplementary content to our audio that can be found in Google. It's got to be text-based. It's got to be blog post-based. And you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about show notes. And the problem is that Google's algorithms are changing all the time. So the things that made sense previously and that actually worked in the past don't always work exactly the same way anymore. So in this episode, what I want to do is walk you through what I've discovered 
goes into the best kind of show notes that make a difference for organic traffic from Google in 2018. Now, I have to say that last part about 2018 because, like I said, this stuff is changing all the time. And because my company creates show notes for our clients, we have to stay up on those changes and we have to understand what's happening in the SEO world, the search engine optimization world, and what makes for the best kind of post. So here's what I want to do. I want to talk, first of all, about show notes that make a difference in 2018. And let's do that by saying, first of all, that show notes do necessarily serve existing listeners as a resource, right? In the podcasting apps, the descriptions that are there and in the web pages. And you are mentioning those as a resource on every episode, aren't you? You're talking about people finding your links in the show notes, finding your links in the description area of their apps. You should be if you're not. But the SEO value of show notes pages happens on search engines, not on iTunes, right? It focuses on interested people. In other words, people who are interested in the topics you're talking about who do not know about your podcast. And we want them to be able to find it through web searches. So that's the focus that we're looking at in this episode. And this doesn't have to do with the quality of your audio or the entertainment value of your episode audio at least not yet. It has to do with how you portray your episode before searchers even click a play button. Now, to get this concept into your head, think movie trailer. Think Geico commercial. You want something appealing, something that not only technically catches Google's attention through the way that you've structured your post and written your post, which we're going to get into today, but also in a way that catches a reader's attention. It's got to be both and. You know, that is what you want your show notes posts or blog posts to do for your audio. It should be so appealing and helpful that people who find it want to click the play button to hear it firsthand for themselves. So in this episode, I want to walk through, first of all, what has changed in how Google technically provides results to people who are searching for your topics. Secondly, what do those changes mean for how you display your content in order for Google to find it? And then I want to wrap up with a longer section toward the end, maybe after the mid-roll break, about how we can practically do the things needed to make our posts more what Google and searchers are looking for. So let's get started. You know, the SEO landscape is changing. Machine learning and artificial intelligence are beginning to show up in the way that the search engines provide results to people who are searching. And so that means you have to know how to best format, how to best display your show notes content so that all of those algorithms and machine learning things can actually find your content. Now, people may go to iTunes or into their podcast app or YouTube to search for those topics. Granted, that may happen. Some people do that. But the vast majority of people are still going to a search engine. And most of those go to Google. So let's talk about how Google has changed. And again, let me say this is the 2018 version. Previously, posts that were stuffed with keyword phrases that you want to rank for 
with over 800-ish words of content could get you toward the top of search engine results. But now in 2018, that is no longer the case. Machine learning algorithms that search context are at work. They're not just searching keywords. They search the context around those keywords. So they're trying to discern meaning of the post and the actual focus of the writing. So it's moving away from keywords being the primary source. Now, please understand, keywords are still important, but they're not the primary source by which these algorithms are searching now. It's also moving away from word count as a primary factor. Now, again, word count is still a factor, but only as that number of words is required in order to make the content truly beneficial to the reader. So what's happening is we're moving toward a type of algorithm that's looking for genuine helpfulness for the person who's searching. Now, that usually requires a higher word count, and it usually requires that you use great keyword optimization. But the focus is different. You need to take your focus off of having the right keywords, first of all, and having a certain amount of verbiage on the page and put it more toward being truly helpful to a person who came to Google trying to find the topics you're talking about. That means that the format of your posts need to change in order to become more helpful to that person who's searching. So that begs the question, how should we change our approach? Well, let me say, first of all, you should not expect summary style show notes or posts to rank in search at all. A bullet point outline with links alone is definitely not going to be adequate to be found in search anymore. We have to rethink show notes, both from a user perspective and from a technical ranking perspective. And given that helpfulness or benefit to the searcher is a consideration, we should ask the question, are transcripts adequate? I mean, the content may be there. The keywords may all be there. You've got a lot of text on the page, but I don't believe it's in an engaging way that's going to keep a searcher on the page for more than even just a little while because it's boring. I mean, when's the last time you read a transcript? They're kind of hard to read sometimes because the way we speak is not the way we write. And so the writing comes out a little stilted and sometimes not even comprehensible because you're missing tone of voice and you're missing context and all kinds of things like that. Now, we're going to talk a little more about how to keep searchers on the page effectively in a bit. But right now, just put that in your hopper and chew on that for a while. Are transcripts adequate in 2018? I would argue they're not. We also want to consider this term that's being used in the SEO world called dwell time. Now, dwell time, if you're not familiar with the term, is the time between the click someone makes on a link to your blog post and a following click back to the search results. So some people call this bounce rate. They click on your title They see your post and then they click right back to the search results. Well, the dwell time was really short. Dwell time is something that these algorithms are considering as to whether your blog post or your show notes in this case really provided the answer that that searcher was looking for when they keyed in the keywords they searched on. Dwell time becomes very important. Let me give you some examples of dwell time, a two-second dwell time. You know, someone clicks on and within two seconds, they're back in the search results. 
is that searcher saying to the search engine? I didn't find what I wanted or expected to on this site. So I quickly went back to the search engine page to find something better. A two-minute dwell time might say to the search engine, I found the content pretty useful and I stuck around for a couple of minutes to read it. And a 15-minute dwell time says to the search engine, I found this content super useful and I was heavily invested in what the writer had to say. And we're going to talk more in a moment about dwell time and how we can increase dwell time so that our searchers who find our posts are actually communicating the right things to the search engines about our posts. Now, here's my suggestion for how we should view this whole thing of show notes and how to create them. We want to create what I call a domino effect. You see, the keyword optimization and the post format and structure are what enable us to be found by the search engines. And that's the first domino. Okay, that's all got to be in place for that first domino to tip. The next domino is that the title of our posts have to be optimized with that keyword and in a way that's appealing to the reader so that we, so to speak, win their click. And they actually click to our page. That's the second domino. Now, the third domino is that when they get there, they find a great, helpful, engaging post that reveals details about what they're going to find in the podcast episode. It reveals some details, but not too much because we want this to be appealing and winsome in a way that clicks our next action or the next domino to be knocked over, which is that they click the player on the page. Now, you are embedding players on your blog post pages, right? You want someone to click on that player and hear the great content that you're providing. That's where they actually take the bait, okay? And that's the domino that falls over. And then it falls into, finally, hopefully, our last domino, which is a subscription. We want that listener who started out as a web searcher to become a subscriber to our podcast because they just discovered a great resource on the topics they were searching for that they didn't necessarily expect to find. And they realize by subscribing, it can become an ongoing resource for them. So that means you need to have subscription options on your page. And that really is the final goal. All right, so right here, we're going to take our mid-roll break. And I'm not going to pretend that it's really in the middle because it's probably not. The section to come is much longer because we're going to talk about the technical and step-by-step things we need to do to start creating this domino effect that will enable our show notes posts to be effective for getting us new listeners. Don't go away. You know, we all learn by doing, don't we? The more we do something, the more we know about it and the better we know how to do it. And that's the same with podcasting, isn't it? I mean, you know things today that you didn't know when you first started as a podcaster. That's just the way life works. And it's always great when you have a coach or someone who knows a little more than you do or who has been down the road a little further who can come alongside you and help you learn a bit faster or help you avoid mistakes. One of the ways that we do that is by getting a coach or getting a teacher or getting someone alongside who can help us. And the Podcast Fast Track team is providing that through our podcast consulting. Now, you hear podcast consulting and you think, oh, yeah, there's all kinds of podcast consultants out there. But let me ask you this. How many of them have actually worked with hundreds of podcasters? 
and have seen their good and bad practices and know from that experience what actually works well for podcasting and what doesn't. How many of them can really do that? I mean, it seems like somebody's been podcasting for three months and suddenly they're a podcast consultant. You know, I don't think that's the person you want to get advice from. Here at Podcast Fast Track, we've been operating, working alongside hundreds of podcasters for over five years now. We've seen the changing landscape. We've seen the things that work and the things that don't. And we also are not afraid to step outside the box for clients who have that gutsy streak to them and want to try something different. And we'll advise you on the best ways we see for trying that something different. And here's what I think is the coolest part of the way we do podcast consulting. We let you choose what it is you want to work on. You can go to podcastfasttrack.com slash consulting and see the options. As you scroll down the page, you'll see a number of suggestions of things we could help you refine and tweak and assess as it has to do with your podcast to help you improve your game. This is not a long-term commitment. This is not a thing you have to subscribe to and, and commit to week after week after week. This is as long or as short as you want it to be. And I can come alongside you with the expertise I've developed over the last five years to help you refine the things you're doing and to see blind spots that are keeping you from that next level of success. If you're interested in podcast consulting, check it out at podcastfasttrack.com slash consulting. All right, are you ready to get into the meat of this thing? The rest of this episode is going to walk through the domino effect I mentioned. I want to walk you through what I continue to discover about how each aspect of creating a show notes page can be leveraged to accomplish greater reach and greater discovery for your podcast. Now, let's start out by talking about keywords. I mentioned keywords earlier, and they are still relevant, but they work differently than they used to. You see, the algorithms now can differentiate between just a bunch of keywords on a page and the actual meaning and relevance those keywords have to what's on the page. So the repetitive nature of how we used keywords in the past is no longer needed. Keyword research is still important. I mean, we need to know what people are actually searching for so that we can create posts that answer the questions they have. But we need to work at understanding the why behind their search. Why are they searching for that exact phrase? And what is it they're trying to learn by searching for that thing? We can use the search engine results page, meaning what comes up when you search for a particular keyword, to get a feel for how Google is interpreting the intention of the searchers who are searching for that phrase. Now, any good keyword tool should contain your search engine results page and show you the things that are showing up when people search for something. Let me just stop talking and give you an example. If someone were to search for the phrase Google AdWords, they're most likely using Google to find the actual AdWords tool, the actual AdWords page, so they can set up some advertising or learn about setting up advertising. So creating a post about how to use Google AdWords for higher conversions is likely not going to get many meaningful clicks. You need to shoot for a longer tail keyword like Google AdWords for higher conversions. You see what I'm saying? Now, what is a long tail keyword? It's a longer set of words, so four or five or six words even, 
that are related to your main keyword, in this case, Google AdWords, but are being used by people to search for something more specific. And if you can optimize posts around something people are specifically searching for, less people are doing that, you're going to have a better chance of ranking for that particular phrase. Does that make sense? That's what a long tail keyword is all about. So that's the first thing I would say about keywords is don't focus so much on the broad or general keywords. Start focusing in on specific long tail keywords. But then secondly, don't be afraid to use related phrases. You don't have to stick to that keyword every time you mention the subject within your blog post or your show notes post. You can use related phrases to make it more reader friendly or human friendly. These kinds of related phrases are actually being used by the algorithms to determine the page's relevance to what the person searched for. What I'm saying here is you don't have to repeatedly use the same phrase over and over and over. You can use anything related to it, and Google is going to be smart enough to know you're talking about the same thing. Isn't that cool? To me, that makes it easier. You don't have to be so anal and so focused on making sure you get the exact same phrase used a certain number of times. Forget it. In 2018, it doesn't matter. And in the future, it's not going to matter either. Now, to do all of this regarding keywords, it's important to have a good tool. I want to recommend to you the tool that the podcast fast track team of show notes writers uses. It's called Keyword Finder. And there will be a link for Keyword Finder in the show notes. And that link, by the way, is an affiliate link. So just know that we're going to get a cup of coffee or something from you using Keyword Finder through our link. But using a tool, no matter what it is, there's a great tool by Moz out there. There's other tools like Longtail Pro. Using a tool like this requires time. And you need to develop skill to learn the right keyword phrases that match both what your episode content is about and what people using that phrase in search engines are really searching for. It's going to take skill. Now, here's some best practices on using keywords. First of all, try to use it toward the beginning of the title for your post, if you can. Stats show that when the keyword phrase or keyword you're trying to optimize for is toward the beginning of your title, it's more effective. Now, it doesn't mean you can't use it at the end, and it doesn't mean it won't have an effect. It's just not as effective. And we're probably talking about 2 to 3% difference. So it's not a massive thing, but just as a best practice, toward the beginning is better. You also want to make sure that you're using that keyword phrase, not only in your title, but also in a header within the page, at least one header, maybe two, and in the meta description. You know what the meta description is, right? It's that little description of the post you see underneath the title when someone searches for it in Google and the results come up. It's that little paragraph underneath the title to the page. So the keyword phrase in the title, the header, and the meta description are still important in 2018. You also want to use your keyword phrase in the image Metadata. Now, what that means is if you use a featured image or images on your page, which you should be doing in order to make it a more engaging post, you need to include the keyword phrase in the metadata. And we're going to cover this more specifically in the images section that we're going to talk about in just a bit. Let's move on. You also can include that keyword in bullet point outlines. That counts. You know, don't forget that you can have it in there. It doesn't have to be stuffed into a paragraph kind of unnaturally in a way that makes it awkward. You can include it in bullet point outlines, and that's going to count. Don't forget also the related phrases, or some people would call this secondary keywords. Keywords around your primary keyword that mean the same thing or are referring to the same topic 
Don't forget, those are going to help as well. And as always, don't overdo it. Don't keyword stuff your post. It makes the writing unnatural, which makes for a poorer user experience, which is going to be reflected in that dwell time being shorter. And that's going to tell the search engines, this post is not fun. It's not one that helped me in a true way. And so you're going to be ranked lower because of that sort of thing. And I would encourage you also, after you create a post, have someone else read it and give you feedback about the keyword density, about the use of keywords. Does it feel natural? Does it flow well? Is it truly helpful? I have a piece of advice here for you on many websites, especially WordPress websites, there are plugins you can use to help you optimize for keywords. There's Yoast SEO keyword and others out there. Those are helpful as tools, but I would encourage you learn the principles of good SEO yourself. These things I just talked about when it comes to keywords and only use Yoast and other tools as a tool, not as an absolute, because I've noticed oftentimes Yoast will come back and tell me that something is wrong with the post or something could be optimized more. And I go back and I look at the actual post and what it's telling me is missing is actually not missing. It's there. And the plugin is just not grabbing it or picking it up for some reason. Now, some of that has to do sometimes with the theme that you're using on WordPress. I use a Divi theme on most of my sites and Divi has ways you can break up the post in different modules, so to speak. And Yoast seems to not always be able to see all the things in the modules as clearly as if it was just in one big long paragraph. So in other words, use those plugins, but use them sparingly and don't take them as the be all end all of keyword optimization. You learn the principles and you put them into practice the way that seems best to you. All right, let's move on and talk about optimizing your title. Now I mentioned your keywords should be somewhere toward the beginning of your title, but I also want to tell you, your title needs to be appealing and provoking or funny or kind of outlandish and wild. But in order to be a person of integrity, make sure your title is accurate. Make sure it actually is talking about the things that are in your post, not just some sensationalized headline to get someone to click on the post. We call that clickbait. And that is a scammy way of getting people to your blog post. Because once they find that your blog post is not really what your title portrayed it to be, they're going to kill your dwell time by jumping right back to the search engine results. You see, to me, that's like telling somebody you want them to come over for dinner. And then when they get there, it's an Amway presentation. You don't want to do that bait and switch sort of thing. You want your title to be appealing, provoking, funny, wild, but accurate. You also want to make sure your title stays human. Don't make it awkward for the sake of getting your keyword in a certain place on the title. Make sure it reads well, that it's natural and feels good. Don't forget also that colons, you know, that little punctuation mark, colons, can be your friend. So say your keyword phrase was Google AdWords. Let's just stick with that, even though that's a poor thing to optimize for. You could say Google AdWords, colon, the very best practices from 100 bloggers or something like that. You can use colons to make it seem more natural, to make it seem more punchy, and to get that keyword phrase where you want it in your title. Now, don't overdo it on this as well. You can make this very unnatural as well. And then on titles also, I want to encourage you to familiarize yourself with best practices. I have actually compiled some best practice posts on how to write 
good titles. One is called How to Write Catchy Headlines and Blog Titles Your Readers Can't Resist. That's from HubSpot. I'm going to link that in the description in the show notes on this episode. There's another How to Create Epic Content Titles and Headlines. That's from ExpressWriters.com. I will include that in the description and show notes for this episode. And then another, the step-by-step guide to writing powerful headlines. And that one is from SEO guru Neil Patel. These will be included in the show notes and in the description area of your podcast player for this episode. But I'm giving you those as resources to help you learn the best practices on titles for yourself. There are also some tools out there that you can use to run a title through or to get ideas for a title. Inbound Now has one, Title Generator, Impact BND, HubSpot, Fat Joe, SEO Presser, all of those have blog title generators of sorts that you can put in your keyword phrase and it'll pop up some suggested titles. Now, obviously, anything you get out of those, you're going to have to tweak to fit your particular topic and niche and industry. But they're good tools to use to help you learn how to craft better titles for yourself. So those tools will also be included in the show notes section or the description section of this episode. Now let's move on and let's talk about what it takes to create a great post or a great show notes page. And we've talked about the keywords. We've talked about the title. Let's talk about the text or the verbiage. First of all, it has to be accurate and not misleading. You want it to reveal practical, intriguing information for the reader. Now, the keyword there is practical. It needs to truly be helpful because remember, that's where the algorithms are all leaning is toward giving a better user experience for the person who's searching. And that means your post has to be helpful to them. So it's like good ad copy. It should introduce a need. It should promise a solution. It should show the benefits of that solution and can even include how-to step-by-step things. You know, when I think about the blog posts over the years that have been most beneficial to me, the ones that I remember the most, they're the ones that were the most helpful, the most practical. And they often gave step-by-step and they would give me the very things I'm looking to do. So start thinking of your show notes in that same way. How can you craft your show notes in a way that makes someone say, wow, this is so helpful. This is exactly what I was looking for. I want to also encourage you to format your pages with lots of white space, meaning short sentences, line breaks between paragraphs, things like that to make it easier for the eyes to scan down the page. Also, inject your personality into it. Make it winsome. Make it funny. Make it fun to read. Whoever you are, make it fit you because you want that person not just to get the information they need, but you want them to get it in a way that they enjoy. Break up your content with headers with images, with colors. Now, don't overdo it with colors, you know, and I would say avoid those bright primary colors too that are kind of irritating to the eyes. But you see what I'm saying? Spice it up a little bit. Make it entertaining to the eye, not just to the mind. And don't make your post too busy. To me, GIFs or GIFs, you know, motion GIFs and stuff like they're okay, but man, they get irritating after a while because I get past that image and I continue to read and the image is still jumping around above me and it distracts me. It pulls my attention away from what I'm reading. And then I would also encourage you to include links in your posts. And there are two kinds of links. We're going to talk about those in just a moment. But before we do, let's move on to images. Images that you include in your show notes pages should be relevant to the topic. I mean, the actual image, the thing on the picture should be relevant to the topic. Don't just grab some random thing because you think it looks cool. 
Now, you can be creative here and you can grab an image that is maybe symbolic of the topic. But if you do that, I would encourage you to include a caption under the image or maybe even text across the image that tells how it's relevant, you know, helps your reader make that connection. Your images should also be legal to use. I'm going to include a bunch of image resources in the show notes for this episode from websites that it is legal to use the images that you find there. Also, your image file names and your image alt tags should include your target keyword phrase. I mentioned I was going to tell you about this earlier. In WordPress especially, you can insert an image and you can change the image title or the image alt tag. And those should include your keyword phrase, but make it relevant and make it readable. Don't just make them keyword phrase one and keyword phrase two and keyword phrase three. You know what I'm saying? Make them something actually readable because the algorithms are savvy to that kind of stuff. They can tell if you're stuffing the keywords just to have keywords in your images. You want to make them so that if a person who is visually impaired finds that image on your page and they hover their mouse over it and the little helpful tools from their software come up and tell them, read out loud to them what that image is, you want it to actually be helpful to them and to tell them what this image is that they're seeing. So keep that in mind when you add those titles and alt images. Make those images truly helpful, just like the rest of the post. Also make use of the captions. You can include your keyword phrase in the caption in a creative way. You can use it to amplify the message that the image itself is communicating. And also make sure your images are not a massive size. There are ways you can optimize images for word pages. And the reason this is important is because massive images slow down your page load time, which is one of the things that the algorithms are looking for is pages that load quickly. So you will find that resource for an optimizing tool, a free one, by the way, in the description or show notes for this episode. The next portion of a great SEO optimized show notes post is links. Now, you know what links are. It's those things that you click on and it goes to a resource or a website somewhere. You need two kinds of links on your show notes pages. The first is what's called outbound links. That's what we usually place on our show notes pages. They're links to resources that are relevant to your podcast episode. But you also should ensure that they are relevant to your targeted keywords. Not just any old links, even though resource lists are great as far as a resource for your users. You want them to link to pages that have to do with the keywords you're speaking about. That is going to send a message to Google and the other search engines that you indeed are talking about the very thing that page is talking about as well. And I would suggest that you create these with an open in a new tab functionality. If you're concerned about losing the reader or them clicking off of the page and the podcast player stopping its playback, that is a very real thing. So those open in a new tab functions are actually helpful for that. And then you also need internal links. Some people will refer to this as deep linking. And deep links are links that go to another page on your website. Related pages that speak to an issue that perhaps you're mentioning on this episode. And you want to make sure as well that these links actually serve the reader. They're not just links to have links. You want them connected in a way that actually serves the reader who's reading that post. 
to gain knowledge or value from what that link is taking them to. You might also want to include affiliate links. Now, these are not required, obviously, but if you do, make sure that they are clearly labeled as affiliate links. That is not only the ethical thing to do, it is the legal thing to do. So you want to make sure those are labeled as affiliate links. So let's go on and talk about the next thing that good SEO-optimized pages should include, and that is rich media. Your podcast player is obviously going to qualify as rich media. It's going to provide a better experience for the person who's there on your website page. So make sure that you're embedding some kind of player on your show notes page. You also want to intersperse various media resources in the post. That could be the images that we've already talked about or infographics. It could be video embeds from YouTube or Vimeo or somewhere else. There are some stats that suggest that having YouTube embeds on your show notes pages will help them to rank higher in Google. And I can find that believable because Google owns YouTube and you're pushing another one of their resources. So that makes sense to me. Also, you could embed slideshows from places like SlideShare or Prezi, you know, different presentation softwares. You can embed some of your presentations in there if you have those kinds of things. But most of all, you want to do these things with rich media because you're focusing in on something that's interesting or fun or entertaining or useful. There's that word again, not just for the sake of having things on the page. You want that page to stand out, to be attractive and to be useful for that reader. Now, another element that you may want to consider to create an engaging and beneficial web page for your listeners is the commenting functions that many blogs have nowadays. There's kinds that come default on the blog. There's kinds that you can embed. I don't necessarily recommend this. I mean, it's up to you. It's your choice. Sometimes it will increase dwell time and time on the page that you want. Other times it just becomes a nuisance to you and your listeners and doesn't benefit anybody. Marketer and blogger Seth Godin doesn't do commenting at all. Others do who are equally big names. So it's really up to you. If you have a group elsewhere, like a Facebook group where you engage with your community, commenting may not actually be needed. Now, whether or not commenting affects the SEO value and the higher rank of your post is a debated thing. And I don't honestly think it makes a difference. So it is entirely up to you about that. Now, this next thing is something I would recommend that you put on your page. It doesn't necessarily affect SEO although it may depend on how you implement it, but that is a regular call to action of some sort. Do you want to have an email opt-in somewhere on the page? Do you want to have contact info? Do you want some sort of social connection or sharing functionality on your page? Do you want to have relevant products or groups or courses linked from that show notes page so that people can take further action connected to your website? Those are all things that are entirely your call. I recommend them as good practices for anybody who's trying to build a presence online, but they don't necessarily affect the SEO value of the page. Now, there is one other thing here that I want to mention that has to do with this SEO value of the page, and that is something I've already mentioned, but I want to go a little more in depth, and that is having a player on your page, an attractive embedded media player on every show notes page for that particular episode makes a huge difference. Now, if you have a media host, 
I'm sure they provide one for you. I know Libsyn does, Podbean does, Blueberry does, Spreaker does, Fireside FM does. They all provide some sort of media player. There are also third-party players like Smart Passive Player and Coolcast Player and Simple Podcast Press. Those are all options. There are also various directories and platforms that provide players based from their platform like Stitcher or Radio Public, TuneIn, those kinds of things. I suggest you use the one from your media hosts. It makes the most sense to me or a third-party one that you're going to purchase separately. There are even some website themes that provide players. I know Squarespace does. I know some WordPress themes do. I'm not sure about Wix. I've never built a website on Wix. But having a player on the page increases the dwell time or the time that person is on your page, which sends that message back to Google that this person found this page very helpful. It can serve to walk listeners through the page itself as they're listening, they're scrolling through the show notes and understanding the text and images and the other resources that you place there. And I believe without a podcast player on the page, you could be losing valuable SEO advantages that you would have with it because it provides an immediate opportunity for your readers to actually hear what they've seen demonstrated on the page and become listeners. It's that next domino. I am going to include some links to some of those third-party players, Smart Passive Player, Coolcast Player, and Simple Podcast Press in the show notes for this episode. And now finally, let's talk about something that I believe every podcaster should have on their page. And the reason I say this is not because of SEO value. The reason I say this is because it's that final domino that you want to happen with your show notes, and that is to get a subscriber, someone who's regularly being exposed to your content. This really is your goal, more subscribers. It's the only way you have to regularly influence and serve the people you're trying to serve, unless you're building an email list or you have a chat bot related to your brand or some kind of group that they can be a part of. But this subscription option really is the heart and soul of podcasting. We want people receiving our episodes week after week or day after day, however often they come out, automatically. That's what you want. It's your last domino in the effect. I typically am only going to provide one subscription option for each platform, meaning iOS or Android. Right now, I'm using the subscribe or listen on Apple Podcasts banner and the listen on Android banner. If you look at the actual show notes for the page, I have them listed there. On the description on the podcast player apps, those would have to be links rather than an image or something, because not all podcast players are going to show the images. So be sure that you have that difference figured out in your workflow, how you're going to do that on the different places, one being your website and one being the podcast player. There are some people, some podcasters who provide a subscribe option for every single option they can. So Stitcher, Player FM, uh, Libsyn, whatever. I've done that before in the past, but I've just simplified it for my own self and for the sake of knowing that most people are just going to use what's on their phone. So I want to give them an option to do that. It's up to you what you want to do. For this section, I'm going to include the following resources in the show notes and in the episode description on your podcast app. I'm going to show you how to get the subscribe via Android functionality, the Apple podcast guidelines for how you are to link to Apple podcasts, the Google podcast tools for finding your show on Google podcasts and then linking And then I'm also going to include some images for listen on Apple logos and listen on Google podcast logos in case you want to set those up like I have 
on my show notes pages. So creating SEO optimized show notes pages, blog posts, is really one of the only ways you're able to drive organic traffic intentionally to your podcast. Yes, you can do it through optimizing your listing in iTunes. I've got previous episodes about that. Yes, you can do it by sharing on social. But when you share on social, even when you're sharing those fancy-dancy audiograms like Podcast Fast Track Creates, you're most of the time only screaming into your own echo chamber, meaning you're preaching to your own choir, the people who already know about you. Because that's just how the algorithms and things on social media work. You are sending your messages out to people who have demonstrated they're interested in what you have to say. That's just the way it is. So you've got to find ways to reach beyond that and to actually draw in people who are looking for the topics that you speak on, but do not know about your podcast. And that's what well-optimized SEO quality show notes can do for your podcast. It's a lot of work, isn't it? That's why companies like Podcast Fast Track exist. Because people need these benefits and want these benefits, but either don't have the skill or don't have the time or perhaps have neither and want to make sure they have the resource anyway. If you're interested in that, let us know. If you're not, look back through the archives of this very podcast and you will find some how-to episodes that will help you create podcast show notes the way that we do here at Podcast Fast Track. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You know what time it is. Go out and make it a podcastificating day. This show is brought to you by Podcast Fast Track, where my team provides professional podcasting services without the time suck. Full production, editing, and show notes all in one monthly subscription package. You can find out more at podcastfasttrack.com. Now go out and make it a podcastificating day. Audio editing and show notes by podcastfasttrack.com. Get 15% off your first month by mentioning this show.